Hello, my name is Eva, and welcome to the seventh and final episode of this series, Who Was Bluetooth? In this series, I have recounted the history of the 10th century Danish king, Harald Bluetooth, whose sobriquet was adopted as the name for the communication network technology that we today recognize as Bluetooth. Last time, we left off at the death of Harald Bluetooth, uncompromising warrior to the end, but he was a king at the end without a kingdom, a king who lost his crown to his son, a fate so many Nordic kings would suffer throughout the Viking Age. In this episode, we will examine the legacy of Bluetooth. How, why, and what is he remembered for? And what should he be remembered for? So, Bluetooth was dead by 986, and by his son's decree, his body was laid to rest in Roskilde Church and buried with all due reverence of a king. Yet in Bluetooth's final attempt to regain his kingdom, he had sought military aid with the Jomsvinkinger, a decidedly pagan group of men. And Bluetooth himself, though baptized as a young man, had only in his later years cast off the last vestiges of pagan traditions. So why then is he today remembered as Denmark's first Christian king? Well, as I mentioned in episode one, there had actually been a Danish Christian king 200 years earlier, though that particular king did nothing to convert the kingdom of Denmark while Bluetooth left visible Christian markings behind. He gave his blessing to monasteries and founded several places of worship, and with the white-washed stone churches strewn across the kingdom, the common folk were afforded places to congregate, while Christianity was built into the very landscape of Bluetooth's kingdom. Bluetooth was the first king of the Danes to be buried with all the pomp of a king and ritual of a Christian. And some 200 years later, a German chronicler, Adam of Bremen, would hail Bluetooth as a flawed but ultimately good Christian king. For as he lay dying, Bluetooth renewed his Christian vows, at least according to the chronicler. Such a practice was not unique to Bluetooth. In fact, Constantine the Great, whom we today remember as the greatest among the early Christian Roman emperors, was not himself baptized until shortly before his death. This practice afforded warriors, such as Bluetooth and Constantine, some leeway to plunder, conquer and capture their enemies, without the risk of sinning against the commandments. So in effect, rulers like Constantine were not in conflict with the you shall not kill commandment since they were not yet baptized. And only when Constantine and men like him were near death did they then pledge themselves fully to the word and vows as they knew that there was no time left to sin at least 
That was the reasoning behind those ancient and medieval last-minute baptisms. We might imagine that Bluetooth himself followed this train of thought, for neither his use nor his reign might rightly be characterized with the virtues one would associate with a saintly man. But with Bluetooth's decidedly Christian burial, his life, or rather his death, marked a specific change in Denmark. Henceforth, kings would be known as Christians or not, as opposed to earlier when glory was found in either their fighting prowess or as leaders of Viking raids. So, for example, Bluetooth's son and heir, Sven Folkbeard, was noted as an effective ruler, but his reign was recorded as suspiciously unchristian, a description which would never even have been considered for his grandfather, Gorm the Old, who by all accounts was far more pagan in behaviour. So, Bluetooth's reign heralded in a new mark in time, just as it left its own unique mark on history. For during Bluetooth's rule, builders were rarely out of work, building as they did several ring forts in Denmark. Just to explain what ring forts were, they were large round fortifications built to strict geometrical proportions and unusually for the north, built to Roman measurements. They are also known as ring fortresses or Trelleborg forts, named for one of the first excavated ring forts situated in Trelleborg. The exact purpose of the ring forts remains unclear, with modern scholars still debating whether they were constructed for defence or for shelter. However, it is clear that the ring forts allowed for large groups of fighting men to gather, wait, prepare and then attack the king's enemies. It has been speculated that the ring forts also acted as a thoroughfare of sorts, where civilians and warriors came and went, and we can therefore think of them as fixed points in cross-wide networks of communication and information, as news was constantly being brought in and then being brought out of the forts. Whatever actual purpose the ring forts served, they were built to make a statement, a statement demanded by a powerful king capable of utilising stone and soil to erect some of the most impressive works of the Viking Age that can still be traced in the landscape today. This piece of Denmark's, and by extension, Bluetooth's history is intriguing but not, I would say, particularly well-known. Certainly, were you to pose the question, who was Bluetooth, to a group of Danish high school students, they would probably not think of Bluetooth's building legacy. More likely, they would recall hearing something about Bluetooth's runestones, for they 
are far more well known. Rune stones are stones with runic inscriptions carved onto the surface. Runestone was a tradition much used throughout the Viking Age, and today most of the stones are found in Sweden or Denmark. But runestones can also be found in all the areas where Vikings travelled, west of the North Sea and east of the Bering Straits. It is beyond the scope of this current podcast to delve into the absolutely fascinating history of runestones and how these pagan traditions were implemented into the Christian customs of the Nordic countries. Though I did talk a little bit about this in episode 5, when I recounted how Bluetooth in his later years desired to erect a runestone in memory of his mother and how his decisions regarding inscriptions on the stone and conscription of his men to carry the runestone from one end of the country to another ultimately led to animosity, enmity, rebellion and the loss of his crown. Before those calamitous events, Bluetooth did manage to raise several runestones throughout his kingdom, and the most famous of these is known as the Larger Yelling Stone, situated in front of Yelling Church on the Danish peninsula of Jutland. On this runestone, Bluetooth proclaims his victories in Denmark and Norway, as well as his ownership of Western Sweden. But more importantly, at least in our contemporary view, Bluetooth declares that he made Denmark a Christian kingdom and for perhaps the first time in Danish history, the figure of Christ was carved into a runestone. For this reason, the Yellingstone is in Denmark known as Denmark's Certificate of Baptism and recognized as one of the most important monuments of the country's past and represented on Danish passports as a national symbol. While it was Bluetooth's father, Gorm the Old, who had fought to unite the Danes under one banner, the idea of one kingdom was more broadly accepted during Harald Bluetooth's reign or so Bluetooth and his historians laid out. This version of events and many other stories were recounted in the modern Nordic saga, The Longships, written in the mid-20th century. And the stories from this saga were, in the late 1990s, told to one Jim Carlack, a young tech innovator who especially remembered the tales focused on the unifying achievements of Harald Bluetooth. Seen through this monumental, historical and personal lens, we might indeed shed light on the inquiry which started this whole series, where I posed the question, what on earth would make a young man of the 20th century name an innovative technology after a 10th century Viking king. Bluetooth technology is, very broadly speaking, 
defined as a technology aimed at broadcasting information from fixed points to devices as well as creating personal networks. And well, is that not in line with Bluetooth's own aspirations? I have in prior episodes recounted Bluetooth's effective networks across the areas that Vikings visited, with Bluetooth even founding Jomsburg on the edge of the Baltic lands as a military and communication network point. In this episode, I have mentioned how the ring forts might be construed as structured areas forming communication networks to and from a fixed point. And this same interpretation may be applied to the rune stones. They too were fixed points, with the task of declaring a specific message to any and all who viewed them or heard about them, with the runic inscriptions working as a code which could in a few symbols convey a much longer story. So in this, I would say that there was so much in Bluetooth's achievements which recommended his name to be used for a technology relying on fixed points to relay communication to a network. Now, according to the young tech, Jim Carlack, he suggested the name of Bluetooth to his colleagues because of Harald Bluetooth's achievement of making the Kingdom of Denmark into one unity. Just as Bluetooth tech would unite disparate communication offerings. But the story goes that Bluetooth was only meant as a placeholder name for the technology until a more technical name could be agreed upon. Yet, even as the tech company prepared to launch their product, the term stuck and was eventually adopted as the official name. In a certain perspective, this mirrors King Harald's sobriquet, which was most certainly not chosen by him, but bestowed on him at a relatively young age and stuck with him, even as a moniker which alluded to his later achievements might otherwise more precisely have told us about his networks, his building achievements, his victories, or his losses. These seven episodes have been an appraisal of King Harald Bluetooth as he inherited the throne from his father, Gorm the Old, as he subjugated Norway by helping his own ally onto the Norwegian throne by way of a grisly murder on a lonely Danish beach, as I recounted in episode two. For his meddling in Norwegian affairs, Bluetooth required a far more ambivalent legacy in Norway, where he was more often than not portrayed as a villain in Norwegian sagas. He was somewhat of a villain too, or at least an adversary, of the Holy Roman Empire on which he waged war and was ultimately defeated by the Emperor Otto the Great, as I recounted in episode three. Otto the Great sent scores of missionaries to aid or make sure that Bluetooth converted Denmark to Christianity. But ultimately, Bluetooth's own efforts in converting Denmark caused him to be more sympathetically portrayed by Holy Roman and German medieval chroniclers as opposed to the Norwegian writers. 
These seven episodes have also been a scrutiny of Harald Bluetooth, the warrior who in his youth led several successful Viking raids to England and who later founded a Viking stronghold eastwards. And lastly, in this series, we have also reflected upon Bluetooth's legacy of unification and Christianization. And though he lost his kingdom to his son, through that very same son, Bluetooth's descendants would wear the crown of England and for a while unify two medieval kingdoms. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this series as much as I have loved poring over source material, reading texts in English, Norwegian and Danish, and reflecting on the continued legacy of Viking kings. Until next time, I wish you a bright and joyful summer, if it is indeed summer wherever you are. Many of you have stuck it out during these seven episodes, and I thank you heartily for your patience and regular returns to this podcast. For that, I am very grateful. Have a great start to a new week, and thanks so much for listening. <laughs>